Thank you for listening to CG Life with Steve Quartz. It's my hope that today's message will help you find and live the extraordinary life Jesus gives. After listening to this podcast, I'd like to invite you to connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram for more updates and resources. Well, good morning. I want to invite you to find a Bible or take out your smartphone and look with me as we get started this morning at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 21. We come today to our final sermon, our final message in the series, The Battle. And so we return one more time to this one particular passage that has been so prevalent, so important, so instructive for us as we've sought to understand this battle, this fight that comes with following Jesus. And the apostle Paul writes and says, and picture in your mind, he's bringing his entire letter now to a close. This is what he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all that you can to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Stand, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Stand, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Do all of this, verse 18, praying. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, pray for me. The words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am now an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, Father God, uh, God of the resurrected Jesus, you are the God who makes great promises. You are the God who keeps them. You are the God who has promised to hear us when we pray. And we bless you, Father, that this promise in particular is one that you keep. We thank you, Father, that when we pray and we pray amiss, that there are times when you simply say to us, no. We bless you, Father, 
For those times when we pray amiss and you say yes and you let us have what we asked for but didn't really need and you've said yes to us so that we might learn from our prayers and our praying, what is your good and perfect will? We thank you, Father. We bless you that sometimes we pray and you tell us to wait and you tell us to trust. And we thank you, Father, that there are times when you hear our prayers and because we have prayed in ways that are in line with your will and that please your heart, that you don't say no and you don't say wait, but you say yes. And because we have come to you in dependence on you, because we have waited on you in prayer, you don't wait, but you act. And we and others are blessed. We thank you, Father God, for this gift of prayer. And we pray that today as we bring all that we have looked at together as pertains to this spiritual battle that believers find themselves in, that you might clinch for us, that you might grant to us an understanding of your promise to hear and answer prayer as it relates to the battle. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You don't have to watch a, a lot of TV or watch too many military movies or police dramas before you know what uh, a character means when they say to another character or a group of characters, cover me, I'm going in. Cover me, I'm going in. Now, technically what that means is Give me some covering fire to suppress the enemy, to force the enemy who is against me to cover themselves behind something because I'm ready to take a new position in the fight. I like the way one uh, uh, Army, uh, U.S. Army soldier, retired, put it. I love the way he said it. He said, cover me means... I'm about to do something that in all likelihood will get a lot of people shooting at me. Do me a favor and shoot them first. Do me a favor, shoot them first. Of course, cover me is a phrase that you're not going to hear when, when a soldier is, is on leave. You're not going to hear it at base. When they say it and they mean it, it will always be in battle. Cover me, cover me, cover me, I'm going in. Uh, similarly, believers who find themselves in the thick of the fight will also ask for their own cover. Indeed, one of the signs that Believers are in the battle and, and this is critical, and in the battle and they know they're in a fight. They're in the battle and they know they're under assault. They're in the battle and they know that they're taking fire. One of the ways that you know that they know is that they begin in earnest to ask for and to give each other cover, cover, cover. Believers who see the battle, believers who feel the battle, believers who are on the front line, believers who are under attack, 
Believers who see the gospel opportunity to take a new position, to go behind the lines, to set some captive free. They know how important it is to say, cover me. I'm about to do something that in all likelihood will get our enemies full attention. He will be shooting at me. Do me a favor, shoot first. I I, I need some cover. I need for him to cover. I need for those evil forces to cover. And in our passage for the morning, Paul shows us that this is just as it absolutely should be. Indeed, this is how it must be. The cover that believers ask for, the cover that believers need is something called prayer. Prayer. Prayer is the cover we give to each other. By it, we stand and we win together. Without it, we fall and we lose. Prayer is the cover we give each other. By it, we stand and win together. Without it, we fall and we lose. Now, in our focus passage for the morning, in verses 18, 19, and 20, we can't help but notice there is a change from what Paul has done up to this point. He no longer uses military metaphors. He finishes his teaching on spiritual warfare with a plain call to prayer. And the way he does it indicates that prayer is is actually much more than just one more piece of equipment that God gives to his people when they're in the fight. What is more, he makes it plain that it isn't just any kind of prayer that he's calling for. He doesn't just say pray, but he actually specifies a particular kind of prayer that is needed in the fight. And I I don't know what else to call it, but to call it this. And this is our subject for the morning. It is battle prayer, battle prayer, battle prayer. What Paul calls for here is not another weapon is not another piece of armor. He calls for an activity, and we we want to call it this morning, battle prayer, battle prayer. And a close look at our passage this morning reveals some things to us, and I want us to work our way through as we bring this entire series to a close. I can't think of any more important way to end the series than the way we're ending it today. And and I want you to notice this is exactly how the Apostle Paul ends his own section on spiritual warfare. But a close look at our passage reveals for us three things. What battle prayer is and what it isn't. How battle prayer works and what battle prayer requires. What it is and what it isn't how it works, and what battle prayer requires. Now, I'm going to pause right here, and I'm going to say a word. If you are a life group leader, I need for you to take really good notes this morning, okay? If you're a life group leader, I need for you to take really good notes this morning. Now, you may have come off without your paper. You may have come off without a pen. That's a problem. Uh, if, you, if you're a life group leader and you need a paper or a pen, raise your hand, and uh, I'll see that you get one. All right. All right, I got one. I love an honest life group leader. 
Do you see that life group leader? Do you see that life group? I, I want him to get a paper and a pen. You, you are the leader of life group leaders, right? <laughs> All right, and you've got a paper and you've got pen. And I'm, I'm so proud of you. You did not fail me this morning. Make sure that that brother gets one. If you're a mom or a dad, I want to strongly suggest that you take notes this morning. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Understanding these three things, what battle prayer is and what it isn't, how battle prayer works and what battle prayer requires is important for for any believer who is intent on following Jesus and fighting well. In fact, I will tell you that I believe the great need of the hour for the American church in this season and the great need of the hour for our church in this season is for the battle prayer that covers the great need of your family, the great need of your children, the great need of your grandchildren is a battle prayer for them that covers them. They need covering. You need covering. I need covering. We need the covering that comes with battle praying. Why? Because without it, we cannot win. Now, let's see this morning why this is and how this is from the Word of God. And I ask you to begin with me in verses, uh, uh, at the opening of verse 18, and see it in light of the opening of verse 14. In the opening of verse 14, we, we find what battle prayer is and what it isn't. Paul says, stand therefore, and then he says, as, as a further description of how it is we are to stand, he doesn't say, stand therefore, simply put on armor, but he goes on in verse 18, do you see it? He says, stand therefore praying at all times. Stand therefore praying at all times. In the spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Now, this is important. Standing firm, winning in the fight, is not simply, is not just a matter of putting on and wearing armor. It also is a matter of praying. And here in verse 18, it is almost as important to notice what Paul doesn't say as what he does say. And so let me reinforce this for you and say, Paul doesn't say in verse 18, prayer is a weapon, use it. He doesn't say prayer is an add-on or an extra opportunity or even a good thing for believers, so consider it. You're in a fight, put your armor on, and you might also perhaps want to pray. He doesn't say that. What he says is that prayer is absolutely central to the fight. Indeed, he's telling us there is a critical relationship between the armor God gives his children for the fight and the prayers that God's children give to him in the fight. There's a critical relationship. If we don't understand the relationship, Between the armor and prayer, we will be defeated more than we will be victorious. So what exactly is this battle prayer that we need? Well, Paul offers to us six descriptions. Now, I want to walk through them. If you're taking notes, I'm going to make sure you get the description. And then uh, I trust that you'll be able to uh, unpack that more uh, as we go. But I'm going to move pretty quickly, so be ready to write. All right? Is that fair? All right, here we go. Here we go. 
First of all, he says in verse 18, battle prayer is constant. Battle prayer is constant. That's the first description. He says praying at all times. In other words, battle prayer is prayer done at all times and at every opportunity. Constant prayer before, constant prayer in. Battle is one of the chief ways that believers are able to stand firm. It's required, watch now, all the time for all occasions, not just some. Why? Because the struggle with darkness doesn't end until God calls us home or sends his son the second time and because we never know when the next attack will come. We never do. We never do. What we do know is there's always one coming. Now, I am absolutely convinced, and this is by personal experience, that if I wait to pray till after the attack comes, I usually get, get beaten. Battle prayer is constant prayer, always constant prayer. Secondly, battle prayer, Paul says, is in or by the Spirit. Battle prayer, Paul says, is in or by the Spirit. He says in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit. Now, this prayer then is to be offered in or through the Spirit. In other words, this means that it's done as the Spirit leads and as the Spirit directs believers to pray, both before the next struggle and in the struggle itself. The, the Spirit's role in battle prayers is guidance, is direction, is help. A lot of people will say to me, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. Well, I'll tell you something. Personally, I, I, this, is, this is true for me, and I imagine it's probably true for you if you're a believer. I, I, don't, have to, I don't really have to have anybody tell me when an assault comes that I need to pray. I pray. I pray, but I'll tell you what is really hard. Uh, it, it, it's, it's easy to pray when I'm under assault. It's hard to know exactly what to pray for when I'm under assault. Have you ever been under assault and you're going, I feel so overwhelmed. I, I, I feel so surrounded. I, I don't even know where to start to pray. Have you ever felt that way? I know I have more than once. It's like there's a cloud of confusion in the midst of the conflict. There's such a powerful, beautiful, beautiful insight. This comment that Paul makes, the prayer should be in the spirit. The prayer should be in or through the spirit. He, he expands on that in Romans 8, 26 to 27. I love this. In fact, let me read it for you, can I? Just listen. It's so encouraging. The Spirit helps us, Paul says in Romans 8, verse 26. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know how to pray or what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to to the will of God. I love that picture. Because whether my, I'm praying before an assault comes or whether I'm praying in the middle of an assault, I have a helper in my praying. 
I have an equipper in my praying. I have a director in my praying. And can I just tell you this? Can I just tell you this? One of the things I've learned is if I will take my, my eyes off of the challenge of the fight, even in the fight, and put my eyes and, and, and focus my ears on the spirit. And when I began to say, Lord God, in this mess, in this attack, in this assault, what is it you want? He begins to direct me and I begin to be able to pray. And the more I pray, this is what I've also found. And, and, and moms and dads, uh, can I just pause and say, uh, you know, I've got three kids. I've got three grandkids. Let me just say, I've got some experience in praying for children. Nobody's harder to pray for than your children. And nobody needs it more than your children. Nobody's harder to pray for than your children. Nobody needs it more than your children. We need to know how to pray independence on the Holy Spirit. Well, what I found is the more I pray and I say, Lord, what do you want? And the more he begins to show me. And when I say that, I mean, what uh, uh, Spirit of God, does the Father want in this situation so that his kingdom comes and his will is done on earth here in this situation and in this life as it is in heaven? What does he want? I, I, I get that from his word and from, from what the Spirit shows me from his word and the principles of his word. But there's a clarity that starts to come. And the more I pray, the more that becomes built out, the more I know how to pray. Does that make sense? So don't let, it, don't let it frighten you if you begin to pray and your heart is heavy and you, you hardly can get a word out. It's okay, you have a helper. It's okay, you have a helper. Just don't give up. Keep praying. Keep asking. He will show you what it is you need to pray for. And he tends to show you more and more as you go and as you pursue him. So battle prayer is always in or through the Holy Spirit. Third, here we go, third. Battle prayer is all inclusive. Battle prayer is all inclusive. Paul says in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. You can say with all kinds of prayer and supplication. The kinds of prayers Paul mentions here include prayers, that, that is intercessions on behalf of others, and he says supplications. And a supplication is an earnest request for the specific needs of others to be met. So prayers are intercessions. You're stepping, if you will, in the gap. You're, you're, you're asking for, for something for someone else in that prayer. You're interceding for them. A supplication in particular is a prayer for a specific need that you see that they have. Earnest requests for the specific needs of others to be met are part of battle prayers and coverage. 
So this involves anything. Now watch this, this is important. Anything and everything that comes around a believer or comes into the life of a believer that the enemy can use to distract them, discourage them, defeat them, that must be prayed against. Now, now we're, we're, good, we're good at praying for illnesses, and we should. We're good at praying in the physical realm, but we need to learn to pray in the spiritual realm. Uh, can I use an example? Appendicitis is serious. It, it's got to be treated. You can't live with appendicitis. It will eventually rupture. If someone has appendicitis, you want to pray for them. Sure, for healing, for restoration, absolutely. But typically, that's where we stop. Here's what I want you to see with me. If you're praying for a believer or you're praying for a, an unbeliever who has appendicitis, don't just pray on the, on the physical level, pray on the spiritual level. How in the world might God receive glory through this appendicitis? How might he use that appendicitis in the life of a believer to make them stronger in their faith and greater, make greater their dependence on Christ? What might God do with this condition to advance his kingdom's work? What, what might he, how might he use this to advance his gospel in the life of a one who does not believe? It is not enough simply to pray for healing, physical healing. We need to go deeper than that. We need to be praying. Look, look, look. This is, well, I'm going to get ahead of my sermon. I'm going to pause. I am going to pause. Battle prayer must all, always be all-inclusive, and it, and it must be all kinds of prayer, but it must also be for spirit, on the spiritual level for spiritual things, not just on the physical level for, spirit, for physical things. Which leads me... I was about to jump over to my next point, number four. Fourth description, battle prayer must also, because it must be all-inclusive, it must also be alert and attentive. Battle prayers are alert and attentive. Look at verse 18. He says, pray this way to the end, to that end. What end? It, Make your prayer constant in the spirit. Make it all inclusive. Pray to that end. And to that end, to accomplish those things, you've got to, he says, keep alert. A believer must live awake. The idea is if Paul's readers are to pray as they should and as they could, then they will have to pay close attention both to the practice of prayer and also to the circumstances of life. I don't know if you've noticed this, but it is almost impossible to pray for someone when you don't really know what's going on in their lives, when you have to guess. You will never be able to pray adequately for your children or your grandchildren unless you have some sense of what is going on in their lives at the time. You cannot pray battle prayers very well if you don't know what to pray for. You say, that's just common sense. I know. 
But, but it, what it does is it says and affirms what Paul is saying here is you've got to keep alert. You've got to be attentive. You've got to be watching. and You've got to be asking, where could the enemy make use of this? Where could the enemy make use of this in my child's life that would derail them from finding Christ, knowing Christ, loving Christ, following Christ. Watch life group leader. This is why you need to know the people in your life group. You need to be able to pray for them. You need to be able to pray for them specifically. And ask yourself as you pray for them, what's going on in their lives that Satan might use to disrupt them, discourage them, create despair in them, derail them? cause them to sin. To that end, he says, keep alert. Stay with prayer, but also stay alert to the circumstances of life. And this means, of course, not being complacent about those needs that, that others have. It also means, and this is so important, refusing to be desensitized to what Paul calls in chapter five, the unfruitful works of darkness. Part of what hinders our praying is that we've come to accept some, some expressions of evil as good along with our culture. So we no longer pray as we should. We no longer pray as we should because we don't see the danger that is present because we've come to accept the, uh, uh, the world's notion that what the scripture says is dangerous is actually of no account or good for you. So we can't pray well if we don't see what is happening and what needs God's interventions. But this is the way in which believers walk carefully. This is the way believers walk wisely in this world. This is the way we make the most of our time in light of the evil days in which we live. Paul says, watch, be careful, be prayerful. Now he's no doubt repeating a, a practice that Jesus recommended to his followers. Jesus explicitly taught them to watch. And he, he, taught, he taught his disciples in the gospel to watch for two things, for his return and for the evil one's temptations. Both of them unexpected. You never know when I'm coming, so watch. My com I'm coming and it will be unexpected. You will not know the day or the hour, but I will come. He also says, watch for the unexpected temptations and attacks of the evil one. So we, we hear him say in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, watch and pray so that you may not enter into temptation. Why? Because you have an enemy who is an expert at ambush and because the battle never ends. And so Jesus says, I know the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So you've got to watch and pray. Now, now look at this. Even This means this, even with our armor on, Believers are never strong enough in themselves. We are never without the need for divine help. And that means that we cannot fight well if we don't pray well and we won't pray well if we don't watch well what is happening to us, what is happening around us, and what is happening to others. 
without prayer. We are too feeble, too flabby to stand against the power of the evil one. So battle prayer is always alert and attentive. It knows that the armor is absolutely necessary, but even the armor is not enough. You put strong armor on a weak woman, she's still weak. You put strong armor on a woman who is strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, she wins. Fifth, battle prayer is done with zeal and devotion. To that end, Paul says, keep alert with all perseverance. Now, the word perseverance is an interesting word. It actually carries with it the idea of being so devoted to a cause that you give yourself over to it. So devoted that you're focused on that. You're focused on that. Our brother, Mitch Monroe, just finished the Boston Marathon. Do you think he just got up three weeks ago and said, I think I'll run? I don't think so. But he has been fixed and focused. I'm, I admire him. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. I, 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 I know how, you know, internally, but I, I absolutely understand that it takes incredible devotion, incredible perseverance to run that. And it's not his first one. How many? How many? Uh, my hearing's not right. Four, did he say, he, are you telling the truth, 14? You are telling the truth. Okay. you want a living example of perseverance, see Mitch Monroe. That's all I can tell you. Wow. Wow. But what Paul is doing here is he's urging believers to give themselves over to prayer like Mitch gives himself over to the Boston Marathon with a kind of enthusiasm and zeal that others might give to, to their job or a hobby. Why? Because Paul does this because he knows battle prayers make a real-time difference in the fight. In ways that are mysterious to us, things happen for believers in the fight that would never happen without prayer. So prayer must be a priority, not a possible pastime or a tool for emergencies. Battle prayer is always zealous, always devoted prayer. Finally, battle prayer, number six, is comprehensive. Comprehensive. Paul says, making supplication for all the saints. What he means here is that battle prayer is to be done broadly, broadly, for all the saints in, in the local community of faith, especially spiritual warfare, as we've seen, is a corporate affair. It's not just an individual problem. If I'm being attacked, that's your problem too. If you're being attacked, that's my problem too. Why? Because we are a family. And 
And this means that the focus of battle prayer should never simply be on self in the fight with the evil one. It should always also be for others, for, for our local church, as the battle with the devil is something that we all face together. And so it seems even clearer that while believers cannot win without their armor on, they can still lose if they aren't themselves praying battle prayers and being prayed for. Now, battle prayer is prayer ultimately for God's help. It's God's cover in times of the devil's attacks. It's God's cover in times of gospel advance. So battle prayer is the essential way in which believers find and keep the help they need to stay armored up, ready and strong in the Lord. And Paul is pleading then for his readers to defend their position in Christ and cover each other against the onslaught of, of evil by prayer of a specific kind, prayer that is constant, spirit-empowered, alert to surrounding evil, zealous in its devotion, big enough to include others. Pray for all the saints. The Lord has uh, taught me the importance of prayer. And I actually pray better when I'm walking. So I'm, I'm uh, often 5, 5.30 in the morning, I'm walking in the darkness, praying. And many times I'll, I'll come here to the church and I just walk the parking lot. And I pray for you. I pray for you. I uh, have found two of these in the parking lot as I've been walking and praying. <laughs> Two of these. Does anybody recognize this? You can claim it. <laughs> I love it. The first one I found was blue. It belonged to a boy. <laughs> I found two of these and... Uh, it has simply reinforced for me the need for these little ones to have prayer coverage. What a world this little one is going to grow up in. What a world. Now that I've found the owners of this passy, I'm going to give it back. I was going to keep it as a prayer reminder, but I'm sure I'll find another one. Our babies just seem to lose these rather regularly, but I do need this for the second sermon if it's okay. Hopefully you've got a backup. Yeah. I want you to see Paul does something more. He shows us personally how battle prayer works. And we'll move through this fairly quickly, but I really can't pass over it. I need for you to see this. You'll notice he says, verse 14, stand therefore. But then he says, praying at all times in the spirit. And then he says, making supplication for all the saints. And then verse 19, he says, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. What Paul says in verse 18 is only part of what we need to, to hear and see about 
battle prayer. We need verses 19 and 20 as well because here in this passage and in his larger letter to the Ephesians, Paul models how battle prayer actually works. In fact, if you're taking notes, write these passages down. And in Ephesians 1, 15 to 23, and in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, that's 1, 15 to 23, and 3, 14 to 21, what we actually have recorded for us are Paul's battle prayers for the Ephesians. He has already practiced what he is preaching. And life group leaders, if you want to know how to pray for, for those in your life group, I'm telling you, it's, it's Ephesians 1, 15 to 23, and 3, 14 to 21. Moms and dads, if you really want to know how to pray for your children, this is where you find how to pray battle prayers. Paul models them for us explicitly. Want to pray for your grandchildren? This is where you pray. What we see Paul doing in these battle prayers for the Ephesians is we, we see him asking that they might know, uh, and I'm just, this is a high view, it goes a lot deeper, but, but that they might know the greatness of God's power for them, that they might be convinced of the fact that God is strong for them. This is how we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might when we are convinced that he is strong for us. Does that make sense? He prays also that the Ephesians might know in chapter three and be strengthened by the knowledge of the height and depth, the length and breadth of Christ's love. You'll never go very far in the Christian faith and you'll never experience a great deal of his protection if you're not convinced that he loves you because you will not lean on him. You just won't if you don't believe he loves you. That's how you should be praying for your children. That's how you should be praying for your life group members. That's how we should be praying for each other. This is how Paul repeatedly sought to help the Ephesians stay armored up and ready and strong. And I'm telling you, I, I am not kidding you, these two passages are worthy of deep study for any parent who wants to see their children covered and any life group that wants to stand and win in the fight. These two passages. If you understand these, you will understand how to pray for each other, how to pray for your children, how to pray for your husband, how to pray for your wife. There's something else here, though. Battle prayers are more than just praying for others. The, the, the way they work, there, there's a second aspect to it. Do you see it in verses 19 and 20? It's not just offering prayers for others, but it's asking for prayer from others. And this is powerful. Here is the great apostle Paul, the great battle prayer. And are you not surprised, even shocked, to hear him say to the Ephesians, and now would you pray for me? Do you wonder why in the world the great apostle Paul would actually do that? It is because the apostle Paul knew that Paul was not strong enough in and of himself to face the battle he was in. He also needed to be covered 
by those he was covering with prayer. Picture with me. Do you see what he, how he describes himself? I think it's in verse 20. I'm, I'm an ambassador in chains. I want you to understand that as he's writing this, he is chained to a Roman soldier. Wonder where he got his ideas about the armor? Chained to a Roman soldier. He is on the docket, preparing to stand before a tribunal that very likely would include the Emperor Nero. This was probably going to be the single greatest moment of his life and ministry. No more influential people would he ever stand before than in that tribunal. And I want you to notice, he doesn't say, pray for me that I would know what to say. He knew what to say. What does he ask for? Look, look, verses 19 and 20. What does he ask for? He says, pray for me. I need boldness. I need courage. I need strength. I need power. Perhaps no greater gifts can we give to each other and to the church than these. To pray battle prayers for others and to ask battle prayers of others. I, uh, I regularly reach out to, 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 to our deacons and just say, I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm grateful for you. I try to do that on, in a number of different ways and, and with others as well, of course. But I reached out to one of my deacons and texted him and I just said, I'm so grateful for you, praying for you and your family. And uh, he texted me back and said, thank you, Pastor, that means a lot. And then a little while went, and then he texted me again, and he said, how can I be praying for you and your family? I have not answered that text yet. I need to. But I have been so moved by the, the, the question and, and so moved by my own study of the word in, in this week of how, of what a gift that is and how important. It's more than me just saying the, norm, the, the, the thing that comes right off the top of my head. Well, we, I need wisdom to lead. Yeah. But if he's really asking, and I believe he is, I need to tell him about where I am in the fight. I need to tell him where I need coverage. And because he's a deacon, I trust him. The deacons at Center Grove are, are trustworthy men. They really are. I, I've, not, I've not had one fail me in this. I can, try, I can tell them stuff. And I, I'm, not, I'm hoping nobody you know, you know, proves me wrong on that for sure. But one, one of the things I want you to see with me is just the beauty of being able to have a group of people that you can trust to actually say, pray for me, this is where I am in the battle. If in your life group there's not that safety, nobody's going to share. They'll all be talking about appendicitis. That's all they'll talk about. It's all the, and, and, you know, that is important and all that. But we'll never get deeper. We'll never go deeper. We'll never grow deeper 
if there's not trust in the group. There's got to be trust. If I share where I am in the battle and you go and tell eight people who are outside the group, I will probably never share again in the group. Because what I need is not, I don't need to be making myself a target for other people who maybe will use it to shoot at me. I need some folks who will actually cover me with prayer so that I don't fall down, I actually stay standing and win. What a gift. What a beautiful thing. One of the things I want for every member of our church is that you would have the opportunity and experience the joy of being in a small group where you can actually say, I'm taking a ton of fire right now. And I need you to pray for me. I want to end with what this battle prayer requires, and it comes from 18, 19, and 20. In fact, if you look at verses 10 through 20, one of the things you'll notice is that Paul addresses himself to all believers together. Every you in in that passage is in the plural. It's addressed to every believer with all the others in every local church around Ephesus. And so taken together, you could say that verses 10 to 20 is a call to enlistment. But in verses 18 to 20, it is a call not just for battle prayers, but for prayer warriors. Prayer warriors. And what battle prayer requires are are people who fight for each other in the church on their knees. September 14th was a very significant day in the life of our church. It was some five days before we uh, disposed of the, the note for our debt. It was the day one of our members was called home to be with the Lord. Her name was Polly Pike. She was 96 years old when the Lord called her home. Uh, Many of you did not know her. Many of you never met her. Um, She typically would sit about Erica where you are. You raise your hand. In the first service, that was her chair. That was her place, basically. If you saw her, you would have just seen a, a rather small elderly woman, and you would have thought, nothing about her except, wow, I can't believe you're in church at your age. But the reality is she may have been small in stature, but she was a giant in prayer, in faith, and faithfulness. You may have never met her or ever known her, but I can tell you She prayed for you because she prayed for our church. She prayed battle prayers. 
Every morning she was up at 4 a.m. and from 4 to 6 would spend her mornings in prayer. People in our church who knew her knew that when they were facing a major challenge or a big decision, if you really wanted to get something done in the spiritual realm, you called Polly. And Polly would go before the Lord and typically her approach to him would be like this, Lord, we have some business. And she would lay out before the Lord the prayers and the supplications and ask for strength and power and protection. I will tell you that we were strong when Polly was here and praying for us because she gave us as a church regular coverage. And I can't help but feel in a way that we are weaker since the day she passed because part of our coverage has been taken to be with the Lord. She blessed us with her prayers. And Paul says that is just as it should be. But I am convinced that there are women in this room who can take Polly's place. You just have to be as passionate for prayer in God's people or even more so than Mitch Monroe is in running the, Bar- the Boston Marathon. You won't get there in a day, but I will tell you, our church needs prayer coverage. Your life group needs prayer coverage. Your children need prayer coverage. Prayer. Prayer is the cover we give to each other. By it we stand and win together. Without it, we fall and we lose. May it be said that in these days of a growing darkness, God found us to be ready, faithful, devoted with battle, prayer. And I can't help but in this way. I pray battle prayers for you every day. And I need for you to pray battle prayers for me.
Father, we rejoice over the greatness, the goodness of your gift to us in prayer, something that moves your heart and then your hands. We're grateful that in this fight we're in, we're not without coverage. The coverage is available when we ask for it. That for every believer and every group of believers that cries out, cover me. We're going in. Cover us, we're going in. When prayer happens, coverage comes. Find us, Lord God, faithful in this high calling that you've given us. For the battle is real. The fight is on. Victory has been won. And all we have to do is armor up and pray. We will stand and we will win. We bless you for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoy these podcasts, take a moment to rate and review CG Life with Steve Kortz. My prayer is that God will continue to inspire and challenge you in Christ as week by week we apply the gospel faith to real life.